You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. I remember one recruiting victory that you did get. It's Wes. I know you remember my quarterback, Paul Troth, and he and I came up there to East Carolina for a visit. And Walker. Vance High School, offensive lineman, big kid, eventually <laughs> went to Florida. Do you remember Wes Bryant at Vance High there, Coach? Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. If Florida had come along and that young man told me he wanted to come to East Carolina, I probably wouldn't take him because I think he was not very bright. is the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And we are in here hatching some major plans, folks. Uh, things that... Uh, all for the benefit of Fitty. That's right. All for the benefit of Fitty. What do you guys think? I, I said... You <laughs> don't know, pose there. that question. Please don't pose that question to text line that you were asking during the break. That would be a bad, bad, bad idea. All right. We'll keep the text coming. 704-570-9610. But when you say that, they're going to want to know even more now. But hit the social medias. Hit that follow button. Most importantly, the Wesson Walker Twitter page, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram. You can get all the war cries. You can get all the behind the scenes. See what we're wearing. See what we look like. See Walker with his hat backwards. All that good stuff. People think that's a vibe. Yeah. Fiddy walks into the fishbowl and he says, I'm going to actually say what you said. You said, uh, Walker, I, I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but this is going to be uh, somewhat provocative. Um I just think that you wearing your hat backwards, it you you act like you don't give a bleep, and Fiddy said it in a way that I, he finds it sexy. <laughs> he likes hat backwards, Walker. That's he what makes I'm it, saying. And Flounder does. Yeah, Flounder makes a comment about it all the time. Yeah. You just said it. I sometimes it. This is the only way I rock a hat. By the way, if I go forwards and I'll show you, I've shown it to Fiddy a couple times. If I just wear it the normal way. I look weird. I feel like it makes my head look big, so I got to go hat backwards. I don't go hat at all. That's right. That's the vibe, man. But anyway, also mm-hmm. check out Westbrine underscore 72 at Walker Mail and at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram. And now it is time to go to the campus. Kona! All right. ACC put out the new scheduling model a couple of days ago, but some of the highlights, each team will still play eight regular season conference games. All 17 teams, and we're talking about the additions of FSU. I mean, not FSU, SMU, Stanford, and Cal. All 17 teams will play each other at least twice in a seven-year span. There are 16 protected matchups, which they took from the Big Ten model for the next seven years. Among the highlights, Clemson, Florida State, FSU, Miami, Miami, Virginia Tech is back in a big way. NC State, Duke, Carolina State, you name it. There are some good protected matchups, including some of the new teams getting some of their own, like SMU and Cal, SMU and Stanford, Wake and Duke. So those are just some of the matchups that were protected. What do we think about this new scheduling model? And do you have a couple of the favorites as far as the protected matchups? As far as bringing in the West Coast teams, it seems about as good of a job that you could possibly do with scheduling. It does seem like they're trying to protect tradition as well. And Mm -hmm. so if you look at what is the heart of the ACC, which is the triangle, it's the North Carolina schools. That is the heart of the ACC. 
it seems like they've been trying to protect those matchups with North Carolina, Duke, NC State. You mentioned some of the matchups already, bringing back the NC State-Wake Forest matchup on a permanent basis. That's nice to see. You're not even getting rid of the oldest rivalry in the South with North Carolina and Virginia. They might like to. Heels fans might like for them to get rid of that rivalry, <laughs> especially here I thought the Heels were going to be safe because they were playing at Keenan Stadium rather than Scott, but they weren't even safe this year. Or what, even if they were marked safe away from Scott Stadium, they weren't marked safe at Keenan. All that to say, the rivalries, the tradition, it is important. Regional college sports, it's re, the, the fact that it is in within a certain region is what gives it its significance. And so the fact that you're protecting that, it's a good idea. Apparently, you're going to have three trips for the West Coast teams to come eastbound. Same thing, vice versa. If you have as many West Coast trips as another program, you won't have to do it the next year. So you're going to alternate the amount of West Coast trips that you have to take if you're in the higher end or low or low end. You get the idea. So it does seem like as far as the scheduling goes, bringing in a couple of former Pac-12 schools, then this is as best as you could possibly do. Yeah, they also tried to minimize the time zone issues with traveling and things of that nature. The two West Coast schools will have to make only three eastward ventures per season. Their fourth conference away game either against one another or SMU and then only forcing current members out west three times in a seven year span and never in consecutive seasons. That's pretty good as well too because a lot of people had issues about that because you've got some teams that would have some long trips whether you talk about Miami going all the way out to California or any of these teams really going out there to California. It's a coast-to-coast trip. It felt like SMU was brought into the conference as a layover. If you are flying to the West Coast, it seems like, oh, we we won't make the trip entirely across country. Is there any school that would like to come to the ACC to make this better travel-wise for us. SMU raises their hand. Hey, we're not going to take your money for 10 years. Okay, cool. Congratulations. You're in the ACC despite being in Texas. But despite being in Texas, you're closer by a long shot than the other two teams that are being welcomed to the ACC. So SMU's central location was, quote, was key in easing Cal and Stanford travel. Yeah. It's just funny that I, I have to imagine a large part of bringing them into the conference was to have them be a meeting place. It's meeting someone. Hey, I don't want to go all the way over to where you are. So you just want to meet at SMU? True. All right, that's cool. Yeah, all right. Well, let's welcome him into the conference. Yeah, and Fiddy, so with you being an ACC guy as well, what were your thoughts on this new scheduling model and what were some of your favorite matchups that were protected? Sorry, I was cutting up Hunter Bailey. I mean, look, you know I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> two for two on that. we yeah. got two days in a row. I mean, look, you know I'm going to look at it and see the, 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 the Carolina games being protected where you got to play the Dukes, the Virginias. Although, I think I'm starting to change my tune because I've beaten the drum that I don't want to lose the South's oldest rivalry. No one gives a damn about the South's oldest yeah. rivalry. It's all about the Deep South, Georgia, Auburn. I just can't wait to watch ACC games at 10:30 at night with my team. Wait, I don't, it feels like you don't know what you're asking for, though, because if you're saying you care about the Deep South with Georgia and Auburn, I hope you don't mean that you want North Carolina to play those schools, because if it doesn't go well against Virginia, it's absolutely not going to go well against the other schools you name. No, I, I don't want to see an SEC school really ever again in my, in my <laughs> lifetime as a Tar Heel football fan. So, I mean, like, what, Walker, or Wes, you and I, we talked about this. They were going to go to the protected matchups. 
Um, and I think for the most part, they got it right. It's just going to be interesting seeing Carolina, Clemson, Florida State on the West Coast in a conference game at 1030 at night on a Saturday. And now as we turn the page and look at the ACC football standings, there are six teams with two losses. College football playoff poll came out last night. Florida State and Louisville, the only two ACC teams there. And so they are at the top of the league. Louisville at 4-1. Virginia Tech is at 3-1. Florida State is at 6-0. There's a lot of <laughs> football nuts. to be played. And when you look at the two lost teams, is there a team that you see in that batch that could perhaps emerge and surprise and perhaps end up in Charlotte? How worried are we about Duke's offense right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm worried. Yeah, I am too. And also, I think the attrition of their schedule is catching up as well. They look like at Louisville, man. They look pretty listless, and they look like playing these really good teams back-to-back-to-back-to-back is really starting to take a toll on them. I, look, the ACC doesn't make sense, so you cannot ask me for my answer to make sense. If the very thing that we watch <laughs> and view every weekend just does not compute, then I'm sorry – I am not going to be held to a standard that does uh, that is required to compute. Duke would be my answer if I believed in their offense enough. But the offense, it's scary now, Wes. I, Duke clearly was the team because that defense is something that you could trust. They had a big old letdown in the fourth quarter against Florida State. If you wanted to say that was because they lost Riley Leonard, they lost a little of the mojo, it affected the other side of the ball. But even with him, their passing game has been... It's- very underwhelming. Even when they were winning, it, we just thought at some point the passing game is going to rear its head, and it never did. And they're not scoring a lot of points. Even their win against NC State, 24. Loss against Florida State, 20. Uh, loss against Louisville, 23. So, and I imagine you're saying two lost teams in conference is what you're saying, yes. correct? So, yes. as we look at this, I'm sorry. I can't quit North Carolina. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I want to... Duke... Duke is still probably my answer, Mm -hmm. but it's close between those two. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give Duke a little more of the benefit of the doubt because their defense is legitimately good, and you could have Riley Leonard show up out of nowhere in the passing game. So Duke will be my answer, but Wes, I got to keep it real. It's not like North Carolina is too far behind. We said it two days ago. Yeah. It's not that North Carolina is atrocious. It's that they can lose to anybody, but they have enough talent to beat anybody. And that's why the wild card that is Carolina Blue makes me believe even when they go up against a top-notch opponent, they have a chance to beat you. Wes, they had a 150-yard rusher and the top-ranked QB last week. The highest-graded quarterback in all of college football, and they still lost. So can the defense, I don't know. North Carolina doesn't make sense. I'm sorry that neither does this take. Yeah, I can't no, make it no, sense. I agree with you, man. <laughs> it, it, it is tough because when you look at all these teams that are in the two-loss category, obviously they've had two losses. They're flawed. You look at Carolina, that defense is starting to fall apart. Duke, the offense, you don't know what you're going to get. Is Riley healthy? Uh, then you look at Miami, you don't trust them at all. Boston College, I mean, they're hot. They're arguably, well, they're one of the hotter teams in the league right now, but you still don't think BC is going to come up. NC State, not enough offense. Georgia Tech is a team, but just that's another team. They're up and down. They're so helter-skelter, so you don't know what you're going to get. I would go with Duke as well. Like I said, I think the attrition of their schedule has taken a pound of flesh when you talk Notre Dame, NC State, Florida State, Louisville in consecutive weeks, but their remaining schedule, they have my Demon Deacons tomorrow night. 
Then they've got North Carolina, which is the biggie as well. Virginia and Pittsburgh left for them. So they've got a favorable schedule down the stretch now that they've made it out of their gauntlet. It's just a matter of how healthy can they get and get this offense back on track because Duke passed the ball so much better last year. They were way more explosive. And it's the same receivers. Jordan Moore, Jalen Calhoun, he's been a tremendous disappointment this year. But I would have to go with Duke. And then uh, college football playoff poll comes out. Uh, Really quick, question one, Ohio State number one. Do we agree with that? And then is Louisville a formidable threat to FSU's playoff hosts because it looks like they could be on a collision course for one another here in Charlotte? I I think Florida State would hold on in that matchup, but that's no slight to Louisville. They have been, I mean, absolutely, they've been uh, playing very well. As far as the college football playoff rankings, does feel like Washington deserved to be in there. It, it feels like that with a win over Oregon. They've been relying on the eye test, but that means I would have to take Florida State out. And I think Florida State is a top four team. LSU is coming back to strengthen their schedule, especially if they can win this weekend. I don't have a big problem with Washington being the fifth team here. I think with Florida State looking the part, I do think that with Washington and the eye test, which clearly matters, Washington being behind Florida State because Florida State's defense is good and we've seen Jordan Travis continue to be on what is a Heisman campaign. Uh, You could flip that either way, but I'm cool with Florida State. Well, I think what's dangerous to Florida State coming down the stretch is Washington has so many games against ranked teams, and if they can get through that gauntlet and win, I -hmm. think that they could end up possibly leapfrogging the nose. Oh, yeah, they Uh, they absolutely could. Then again, I don't agree with Ohio State being number one. Georgia's won 25 straight. They're dominant. They're smashing teams. I don't think they should be removed until somebody beats them, so I disagreed with that one as well. Uh, As far as Louisville's threat to Florida State, I mean, Louisville is really explosive. You look at Jack Plummer, though, two out of the last three weeks, less than 150 yards passing. So their passing game is starting to dial back a bit. But their defense is really good. Jawar Jordan's back in that lineup now. They're really, really explosive. But, yeah, real quick, I I did ask you, did you agree with Ohio State being one? Um, I would have had Georgia. Okay. All right. Well, if we have any closing thoughts, because, Fiddy, I'd love to hear what you think as well. We can do that on the other side of the break. This is. The Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 927, WFNZ. Don't change that dial, baby. I just wanted to continue to let this play because Wes is dancing for me. Yep. I mean, you can't hit a song. Especially, like I said, I know the age gap that we have in here. I mean, one of the greatest videos of all time. Oh, no, this one, this one yeah, I know. Yeah, that's what I'm I saying. Know, I know so this music the dance video very when they well. clap their hands overhead, man, you can't you hit really this beat. really want to party with me. Yeah, this is one of my mom's favorite rap songs. Too. She really? didn't like a lot of rap, but she loved this song. When this came out when I was in high school, she loved this song. I mean, you cannot, this is one of, like you said, a booty mover. I don't know if we, you know, got yeah. the drop, but uh, this is one of those. All time booty mover. Cannot, Sit still. I mean, I said I'm playing this on the wedding playlist. Great wedding playlist. Yeah. That that's actually out of all the things that I'm most excited for in life, and that is not a dramatic statement for me. It's true. I speak the truth with this. To make your wedding playlist. I I cannot wait to make my wedding playlist because <laughs> I'm going to put more research into that than I've ever put into anything else. I apologize to the listeners with it being my job to put research in to yeah. these topics that I speak of. Mm-hmm. I will do more research for my wedding playlist. You cannot. Yeah, and, and the thing about this song, too, is that everybody can get down to it. The old people can get out there to it. 
the younger people can get out there to it, man. This is just this an all timer. I was disappointed a little bit at the concert when he did this. I thought he could have did it, could have done it a little better. But did your tone match the energy? Like it started, died down, and it was yeah, man. I was like, I I, I was disappointed with Bustin. He's one of my probably 10, 15 favorite rappers of all time. And I just, I just wanted a little bit more from him. My Busta song that gets me moving like that, that one does too, yeah. but it's Woo Ha. Speaking oh. of music videos, uh, Busta really had the rap Innovator. music videos. Him and Missy yeah. Elliott, Missy's the, the goat one. of music videos when you talk creativity. I, something, it's almost like something's in my body when <laughs> Superfly yeah. comes on. Oh yeah. It's I like, like she's a bleep. I can't stand the rain. Yeah, man, come on. That's great. All right. You can text us if you want to. 704-570-9610. Wolfpack James, what wedding, Wes? Yeah, what wedding is, uh, I guess Wolfpack James is interested in the wedding I mean, if that day playlist. should come, should that day come, when that day comes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that would be on the playlist for sure. I mean, I, I won't have a ton of input as far as playlists like that. I mean, I'll be excited about it, but that's one that's got to go on there, and that's what type of terms I'm talking on as far as songs. I'm going to be like, yeah. no negotiating. This is going on there. Definitely put your hands well, on your eyes could see. Me and my girlfriend, we've talked about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she knows. And it doesn't it doesn't mean that she's not going to have any songs on there. That's not what it means. But we've talked about how important the playlist is. And so when the playlist, and it comes time to me making that thing, I'm going to put a lot of work into it. You got something fitting? Just make sure you're wearing a backwards hat whenever you go to make the playlist, because then she can't argue with you. <laughs> you <don't> th- <laughs> I think she probably could. I don't think backwards hat walker affects her like it affects Fiddy. Uh, Bad QB and TV evaluator writes in, Walker's wife will veto the wedding playlist and do what she wants instead. You don't want. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm naive, but I do think that I I would have it. Here's Here's the question I'll ask before we move on. Best wedding song you've ever heard, ever. You've been at the reception, something hopped on, and you said, oh, wait, I need to put my wedding cake down and I need to get on the floor and jam immediately. What is that song for you? And bonus points if it's a surprising song, like maybe a song on the wedding playlist you didn't expect to slap, but boy, did it. That's what I want to know. 704-570-9610. To me, Ooh. 21 questions by 50 Cent is the one that I'm always going to put down the plate. Of oh, yeah, that's a good one. And it, I, it's not like it's surprising, but you put 21 questions on. Yeah. I immediately have to go out onto the dance floor. What's that song for you? 704-570-9610. Okay, so that gets us shaken. Are we surprised that Scott Fitterer didn't shake a little bit at the trade deadline? <laughs> nice. It's nice, a stretch. Nice. I tried to make it work. I like it. Well, Brian Burns was the guy, right? We, we knew about Brian Burns in that conversation last year. At the trade deadline, mm. and not even really at the deadline, Wes. It was when they decided to trade Christian McCaffrey, and they cha- and they traded Robbie Anderson, chosen Anderson, as he would soon be called. People were discussing whether it was going to be a rebuild. I never bought into that. The conversation to trade Christian McCaffrey had already happened quite a bit because mm. of him being on the salary, because of the don't pay running backs thing. They decided to move off of that contract, and it's not like Robbie was doing anything, and so... Okay, it's not you're not rebuilding by trading Robbie Anderson. The dude's on his second team already by that point. And then we had the conversation about Derek Brown and really Brian Burns. Joseph Person, I don't know why I called him Joseph. I'm just looking at his Twitter handle. But Joe Person of The Athletic, he said, no, it was confirmed. The Rams offered the Panthers two first round picks and a third. That is a massive haul. That is a crazy package in return, even for 
a very talented young pass rusher in Brian Burns. But they didn't even have any types of conversations at the deadline trading Brian Burns. We had this conversation earlier in the year, Wes, but it was crickets everywhere you looked. I couldn't find anything with any substance as to whether the Panthers are going to move off of the Florida State product. Should they have been more involved in making calls, considering the way this offseason went with Brian? How do you think the Panthers are handling the Brian Burns situation right now? The first school of thought that you think about is, okay, if we get a draft haul, especially now, if you make calls now, you don't get what the Rams offer. Okay, fine. So let's say you get offered a first and a third or first and a fifth or something like that. That deal for Burns, you look at and you say, all right, you have to take into account his age, how hard it is to find quality guys at the position. I mean, you can just look in your own draft class and some of the guys that you've picked over the years that haven't worked out, whether you talk about YGM or whether you talk about DJ Johnson right now, not saying that he won't work out, but it's not looking great. So you have to say, all right, if we trade this guy, we're going to have to find his replacement, if not in the near term, the long term. So that first round pick, basically, you could potentially end up using it to find another him. Now, what's your method for that? Do you say, all right, we want to find a cheaper him. We're going to take a risk and say, all right, we may not want to, we might not want to pay him $30 million. So the quarterback school of thought, we're like, all right, we can go out and find a young pass rusher that hopefully pans out that we're only going to be paying $8, 9000000 million over the next three, four years. Okay, that's fine. So I think that's the thing that maybe deterred them because that second first-round pick, if you were able to get that, then that gives you the opportunity to find another quality player because you trade a guy like Burns, that's going to create a massive hole. It's not like you have another young guy on the other side that's a dominant force and you're like, all right, we still got this guy and we can just find somebody that's half of him. Like if you're a team like the Browns and you say, all right, well, we got Miles Garrett on one side, so we just need another guy that's maybe 70%, 80% of him. And if you get a guy that is like that, then you say, all right, well, we'll just find another guy that's cheaper. So that's the conundrum I think the Panthers ran into is just that we're going to have to find his replacement uh, at some point. So if we can't get compensation that's going to give us a bonus to be able to really bolster our roster, then it wasn't worth it. I think for me, at first, watching the likelihood increase, continue to increase as we approach the 4 p.m. deadline, I continue to scratch my head. All right, Scott, Carolina, David Tepper, whoever's running the show over there, what are we doing with Brian Burns right now? What are we doing? Are you going to trade him? If you're not going to keep him long-term, I would like to have some assets in return then, even if it's not going to be two first-round picks and a third-round pick. And then I started to think more, not too long afterwards, and I thought, okay, well, actually, this is still the right move because even if you can't agree to a deal with him, it doesn't mean that you should sell him, trade him for less than 100% on the dollar. 100 cent on the dollar. I'm so used to saying 100%. I did it there. 100 <laughs> cent on the dollar, right? Mm -hmm. So if you weren't going to get that by the trade deadline, and you look at what Montez Sweat received, Montez Sweat, you could argue who's the better pass rusher. I think most people would go Brian Burns, I think. But Montez has been real productive. And he was in that same draft class. So let's just call them, just for easier math, they're the same. And that got a second-round pick, Wes. And so are you willing to say, yeah, we turned down 
two first-rounders and a third last year. Even if you want to say that's way too much, only one team was going to do it, two first, okay? Because Philly was a team, I think, that was willing to give up two high draft picks, whether it be a first and a third. We were willing to turn down both trade packages last year, and now things have gotten so terrible that we're willing to just receive one second-round pick in return for trading this guy. Why? I'm not going to do that. Even if frustration has grown in the offseason and at the beginning portion of this season, even if time has gone on and things change with time, that's not a good enough excuse to settle for a second-round pick compared to what you had last year. You're going to be able to trade him this offseason. There's going to be somewhat of that ability as long as you guys can figure something out. We even saw a contract agreed to between the Miami Dolphins and Bradley Chubb when the Denver Broncos decided to trade Bradley Chubb a couple of off-seasons back. So just because you decided not to trade him last off-season, Wes, it doesn't mean you need to do it here. And that's mm-hmm. where I ultimately arrived. What's the hurry? I, Brian Burns is playing. It's not like he's holding out. It's not like this has become such a bleep show. It got weird, especially when Brian Burns sat out a couple of practices. I don't know what that was about even still. Okay, like, I, I don't know why. I, I guess I know a little bit about why. I don't know about the details. But it's not a complete bleep show where you have to move off of it immediately. All right, it doesn't matter if we're only getting a second-round pick. Just send him out of the organization. So there was no reason for the Carolina Panthers to rush, and this was the right move as far as Brian Burns is concerned. Well, also another piece to this puzzle is also which teams were – trying to trade for him. And if you looked at the media to see which teams were interested the most, you're talking Ravens, Eagles, Rams. So if you're Carolina, how inclined are you to make a deal? It's like, okay, a first round is a first rounder. I give you that. But when you look at a team that's going to be picking more than likely near the top of the second or at the top of the second round, and then you say, okay, well, if we traded him to the Ravens or the Eagles, that's going to be a pick in the bottom 20s. And you can't get a good player out of that, but the value is in trying to get up into that top 10, top 15, maybe at a minimum. And I also think that's what that's another way they looked at it, too. It's like, okay, unless we can get up in this top 15, top 10, it's really not worth us to make a deal right here to get rid of this guy. We had the report from the ESPN insiders with the rumors. They're off. They're often come out with a blog, Dan Graziano, Jeremy Fowler. They'll contribute to it. And once it came to the Carolina Panthers, they were hearing that the Panthers were turning down any inquiries on Brian Burns. I didn't buy it to the point where they were putting the kibosh on anything happening. I didn't buy it to that point. What I thought the Panthers were doing, even if it was unlikely they would trade him, what I thought was happening was they were still going to drive that price up. Don't call me with a weak offer because we're going to hang up the phone. We're not going to listen to you. If you're going to call me because you want Brian Burns, then have something ready to go of real value. And I thought maybe that sense of urgency was going to breed movement, but it never did. And you're absolutely right, Wes. I think when you talk about the market drying up, we eventually didn't hear a whole lot about Detroit trying to find an opposite pass rusher of Aiden Hutchinson. We didn't hear anything else. We San Francisco traded for Chase Young, but it was a third-round pick. That guy's crazy talented. And they only gave up a third-round pick. Montez Sweat, really good, got a second-round pick. And whether it was conditional for one of these, whatever, but mm-hmm. not a first. And so it, I thought that there would be more teams out there that were willing to spend. All right, we, we got to make a move. 
our window is open now. I'm panicking. What do you think? What do you think, boss? Okay, let's go ahead and do it. I thought that would happen, and it never did. Well, part of it, too, is that the teams that are contenders, for the most part, are well-run organizations, and they're not going to jump and make dumb deals just for something in the short term. You're not going to get some of these organizations that are perennially at the top to panic and say, oh, let's give up a one for this guy. Let's go get him. Like, they're not going to do that. Shrewd moves is how they got to where they are. And so that's the thing, too, when you talk about Carolina and these these years that they've had with some of the dysfunction with picks and free agents and things of that nature. Man, in sports, you have some organizations that are just very well run. They're patient. They make smart moves, smart investments. And that's why they are teams that are always at the top, always able to finagle the salary cap, always able to get that guy where you're sitting there like, how are they able to do this? And on top on a year in, year out basis. All right. So I asked you at the beginning of the segment, what are the wedding songs that you've heard in your life that made you put the plate of food down (laughs) and you immediately had to go to the dance floor? I have been here saving tons and tons and tons of text messages. Here are a few before we get to the Fitty Flash. Uh, We had Chili Willie write in, it's always Journey or Eddie Money, take me home tonight. I don't know if that one gets me dancing, but Fitty, Fitty likes some Eddie Money. Take me home tonight's a good one. This is more my speed. 704 wrote Laffy Taffy. That's a good one. When that came out in middle school, yes. (laughs) There's so many good ones. Uh, Scrolling, continuing to scroll. A meet, yes. Back back that ass up. A-Z-Z by Juvenile. Juvenile is going to get you on the dance floor. 704, classic, September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Another 704 number, The Wobble. What's great about The Wobble being played at weddings is that The Wobble doesn't explicitly tell you what to do. So when you have the cha-cha slide or the electric slide, the electric slide at least has the music video in the background if you have a pull-down screen, but... If you don't know what to do with the wobble, you will see people not know how to dance to that at all. But their confidence would have them believing that they could. And the wobble is one that will make you look like a fool if you don't know it. Is it wild that I don't like blind dances? I don't like any of them. Oh, it's not wild at all. No, they're not great. But what's great, and I got a DJ texted in too, and I want to know if the DJ agrees with this. We all know it's not a good song. We all know that. But it's a necessary evil. And you're going to have to bring out the cha-cha slide or the electric slide early on because you want people to be, oh. It's going to get everybody. Everybody's going to get on the floor. I don't know. Should I get crazy? I'm kind of (laughs) wanting. I'll I'll go out there if you dance. Okay, okay, I'll dance. The slides are the songs that do that. Man, they all rolling in. JJ said Travis Porter. I was like, man, I think about them every blue moon and wonder what happened to them. Oh, we got some good ones in here. We got Get Low. Love Shack. I like that one. Love Shack is great. Genuine by Pony is a wedding staple. JJ wrote that. Or excuse me, Pony by Genuine is a wedding staple. Yes, that is absolutely one. Finally, J.J. also yeah, He's trying in. to get us to say all the songs. He's I just know. sitting there looking into probably his wedding playlist. He keeps putting them. Yeah, J.J. has plenty of them. And uh, <laughs> finally, I'll get to this last one. Lloyd. Uh, that one featured Wayne. <laughs> My favorite Lloyd and Wayne song is You. I That one. Yeah, that song was dope. Crazy dope. Yeah. One of my favorites as well. Mm-hmm. Time now for the Fitty Flash here on West. Let's Wall. get it. You know, we talked at the end of the show yesterday about the momentum that one win could could have on a team on the field. 
It also has momentum off the field because the 1-6 Carolina Panthers are no longer the most dysfunctional organization in football, in large part thanks to the Las Vegas Raiders firing their head coach, firing their GM, and this morning firing their offensive coordinator. The best part about Josh McDaniels and the GM getting fired, it happened at 1 a.m., I think, on the East Coast. Like, Mark Davis waits till we all went to bed. We're all sugared out from our night of <laughs> celebrating Halloween to be like, you know what? I'm going to fire my head coach. This felt inevitable after another loss on Monday Night Football and some of the comments made by Devontae Adams coming out of it. Can you cue the Cam Newton sound? Because Josh <laughs> McDaniels never needs to get a head coaching job again. Uh, n- not another job, period. Tell me how these randoms keep getting jobs. <laughs> the Raiders had to do something when Devontae Adams refused to speak to the media because he thought it was going to get blown out of proportion, but also knew, yeah, what I got is some fire for y'all. Max Crosby. <laughs> Max Crosby also fed up with what was going on and how could you blame them? This was the only move because you were losing your star players and it's not like they got a lot of star players over there. If you were losing those guys, then you had to make a move. It's the right decision, even if it is midseason. And there's so much to like about the organization. You get to play in the Death Star. You're in Las Vegas. Like, what's not to like except for the Raiders front office? You know the conversation, the conversation we just had about organizations that can't get it right no matter what they do. I want to hear the best wedding songs of all time on the text line and... We'll read some of those a little bit later in the show. Coming up next is Wes's ACC QB Power Rankings. Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7. Ooh, WFNZ. one would make me put my plate of food down. Kesha got, got bangers. Yeah, I'm so, yes. Fitty's oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 sagebrush. Oh, yeah. From the yes, Walker. Kesha got joints, man. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Kesha. We got a lot more songs. That one got the text line popping like it hadn't been in a, in a long Definitely. time. Definitely. And it pops every day, but people had a lot of smoke for us here. Not smoke, but just uh, entries. Yeah, and, we'll and we to love it. it. Keep we them do. rolling. All right. So maybe, maybe, speaking of smoke, they'll have some for you as you release the latest edition of the ACC QB Power Rankings. You said there was movement, too. Yeah, man. It's been moving and shaking going on weekly. Okay. So, <laughs> booty movement and shaking? Not quite, okay. but, uh, yeah, we got that. All right. Number five, Wes, who leads us off? Well, let's go. As always, as I say, you can catch this and plenty more content, player features, team features, whatever you want, highlights, condensed games on the ACCDN, a.k.a. the ACC Digital Network, to check out all your ACC sports needs so starting this thing off taking a bit of a tumble jack Plummer from louisville starting off at number five his last three games included a loss to pittsburgh but he's had less than 150 yards passing in two out of his last three games jack Plummer, how far of a fall was that uh he was sitting at like three for a while and so he's fall in a couple of spots. All right. Sorry to Jack Plummer, but at least you're still on the list. Who's number four? Number four from Boston College, man. They're getting hot, and this guy's a real problem. Thomas Castellanos. 
They're five and three, two and two in the conference, mostly because of him since he's come into their lineup as the starting quarterback. They're five and two, and he's got 20 total touchdowns on the season. Okay, number three, we have Louisville represented, Boston College represented. Who's represented at number three? Mm, this was. Uh, oh. Oh. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm just saying that th- this was a lot of thought that went into this. But I've got Haynes King, who's moved up. <laughs> but I thought about felt, yeah. whopping him out due to what he did in head-to-head competition. But 377 total yards, four passing touchdowns as he beat North Carolina. He's beaten two AP Top 25 teams. He's tied for the league lead in TDR, but also their, their overall record. He's had some bad losses on his resume, too, so I couldn't move him up. Uh, but I did think about it. Yeah. He's, I mean, he is. He's good. Woo. He's very good. And I think one thing, too, when we talk about this really quick, when I talk about a guy like Haynes King, because at first I was a little bit worried. I was like, he may get snatched up. But the two-school transfer rule is going to help a lot of these teams because if Haynes King was to go somewhere, then he would be considered a two-time transfer and he'd have to sit out. So he'll be back at Tech. He is second. In passing within the ACC, Haynes King having that win against North Carolina. He has been good. I know Fiddy, I don't think it was, it wasn't the Virginia ran, but it was a Georgia Tech ran because mm-hmm. North Carolina lost twice, of course. He did say Haynes King, I believe, one of the better QBs that is in, talked about enough in all of college football. So here he is. He's talked about by West at number three. Tell us who's number two. Well, number two, Drake May. I'm not going to penalize him for that late game fumble by Tez Walker. I thought that they were going to score. Uh, he's got a 32 to one red zone uh, touchdown to interception ratio since 2022. So I felt pretty confident had Tez not fumbled the rock that they would have scored in that game. He still had 368 total yards and three total touchdowns in that football game versus Georgia Tech. And he still leads the ACC in total offense per game. Yeah, number one graded QB in all of college football by pro football focus. That's tough to lose, especially with somebody also running for a ton of yards. They have the leading passer and rusher in the ACC when that defense continues to leak the way they have. It's yeah. been it's been tough. It's been tough sledding for North Carolina. Not on that, two too. Weeks. Timely turnovers, timely oh, yeah. penalties. Like I said, Ted Walker had a chance. I mean, he took a shot, though. I mean, yeah. I don't think a lot of guys would have held on to that football with the lick that he took. Number one, Wes, who is atop the mountain? Number one, Jordan Travis from Florida State. He's accounted for multiple touchdowns and in, Flo- in a Florida State record 15 consecutive games. That's the third longest ACC streak in the last 20 seasons with that win over my Demon Deeks. Uh, he extends their winning streak to 14 football games. Uh, he's come leaps and bounds as a player and he's just playing great football right now. All right, so number one is Jordan Travis, two, Drake May, three, Haynes King, four, Thomas, is it Castellanos? Like Castellanos. Or do we he's pronounce got the, the mob L? name for sure. Okay, I didn't know if we were going Nick Castellanos or if we were pronouncing <laughs> the L, but here he Castellanos, is. Castellanos, forget about it. Yeah, we'll we'll forget about it and move on to Jack Plummer at number five. <laughs> that is Wes's ACCQB power rankings. We'll read some of your text on the other side of the break and also throw it to Fitty for the live wire. Plenty more live to get wire to. Connect. On Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.